Hi, this is Dame Deborah Smith, mother of Delvin, the dog whale, and you're listening to Crusader Chronicles. Read them all. Love you, Mom. Love you, honey. You're listening to Crusader Chronicles episode 49, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 193 and Star Wars number 24 from March 1979. Welcome to the 49th episode of Crusader Chronicles Podcast. Woo, we're getting close into the 50 cent time, man. Woo, we're going to be in the club for the next one. I'm your host, Pat, Go. a.k.a. Go. DJ Christatos. Go. Go. It's your birthday. Go. We're going to party like it's your birthday. You know, we don't give a... Is it your that next? That's next. That's not this. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, I'm getting primed. I'm getting primed. Okay. Jared's got the bat signals going there. I, I thought it was in the disco here. 30-30, baby. <laughs> Wait. All right. Well, Crusader Chronicles for the last 49 episodes is about a podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by their release date from my comic book collection, either in digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issue or issues on that same release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and having some fun along the way talking about them with my friends. And speaking about my friends, let's see who's here with me from left to right. My left, your right. However, we'll start with Delvin the Dark Web, or maybe I should call him Delvin the Darth Web. Nah, you shouldn't. <laughs> can can I reject the nickname? I haven't yet, but but can I can I reject that? I like I it. I think it sticks. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't ask you, Chase. <laughs> just because, just the love that you've been having for Star Wars, I think getting you a name will get you more involved than just you know. Next thing you know, you're cosplaying. Uh that's that was it. It was mm-hmm. it was the lack of name. Yes. Ah. Okay. You know what? I don't even need a bit for that then. We we will make my bit the Darth Web thing and then we'll keep moving on. He doesn't see seem like he has any faith in that name. I find his lack of faith like disturbing. Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> he he will like oh, the name. Andy, he still love the nickname. He shall join that name or die. Um, I don't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, He's going to force choke us now. <laughs> yeah. oh, he's force tickling me again. He's force tickling me again. <laughs> force tickle does not. Um, <laughs> we should start this whole episode over. <laughs> From the top. Oh, okay. Okay, Dylan. Okay. I'll, we'll go ahead and, and move on to Jason the Weasel Skull Ulbrick. Hey, Pat. It's good to see you again. Thanks for being here and getting us all together. And Pat. Oh, hey. Pat. Hey, Mary Jane. 
Yeah, Mary Jane. I was reading this issue. What is up with MJ and Peter Parker? Peter Parker standing MJ up. Mm-mm. That does not happen, baby. You know what? I put on my best lipstick. I had my best Target earrings on. I was ready to go. I was ready to go. We supposed to go see some Egyptian stuff. Not the Walmart earrings, the Target one. No, no, that's see, that's, that's she's high class. That's for yeah. weeds, man. I don't. Uh, <laughs> Peter, get the Target. You know why? You get the Target too, baby. You know you do. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I don't know, MJ. I don't know what's going on with that, Peter. I don't know either. I don't like it. I yeah, we'll don't find out. like it. We'll keep an eye out for him. You do that. MJ, can I have my show back? Thank you very much. Thank you. You can have it back. You, just, you know, MJ star show. Everybody know this. <laughs> All right. Anyway, thanks, Pat. Good to be here. Yep. And, uh, you know, you can always lock the door so MJ doesn't come in your studio side. She picks the lock. I don't know how. Mm, I'll have to get that looked at. Let's go ahead and bring in Jared Albrick, Death Pro. Oh, hey, Pat. Hey. I have an announcement to share with everybody here. Down here in my hometown. There has been a new superhero on the streets. His name is the Great White Shark. I have decided to be his nemesis, and I have decided to call myself the delicious seal that has rolled himself a Lowry sauce. Because I think if you're going to be the nemesis of a superhero, you should refer to yourself as their food source. Mm. So, like, deep fried, dipped in oil, seal. That's what I am for the Great White. See, it seems like a good idea. You're never going to survive. <laughs> Unless. You get a little crazy. <laughs> oh, Delvin, I was looking for a seal joke, but you did it. <laughs> you know, I compare Delvin to a kiss from the rose on the grave. I don't know what that means, but. The uh, more I get of him. Yeah. Anyway, the point being, you should name yourself after the food source of your nemesis. <laughs> mm. That makes sense. That it makes sense, sense. Yeah. 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 Like, I'd be the the deadly gazelle to the lion, you know, <laughs> something something like that. Mm. Is that what we're going with here? Yes. You okay. got it. You got gotcha. it. <laughs> All right. Sounds interesting. I, I think we'll see how that goes. Maybe we should make some tasty <laughs> names for ourselves. We just need a nemesis first. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, also joining us for this episode is Jonathan Schaefer Hames. From Married with Comics or Married with Cartoons. Hi, Pat. Hi, guys. I can't wait to dive right into telling you two how wrong you are about how stupid it is for the supervillain to pick the food source in this case. I was clearly pro food source. Oh, well, then never mind. You're you're cool. How are you guys doing? It's about time you had me on the show. Yeah, you know, we figured we'd wait about 48 episodes before we brought you on. I suppose it was nice to have me like right before the anniversary episode that you know everybody's going to listen to. You know, it's like if anybody's going to like if if they're a sporadic listener to to the show and they're like, I really got to, you know, like make my podcast listening time count. Hey, 50. I'm going to do that. Oh, 49's out. No, I'm going to wait for 50. Plus, John. So Maggie hasn't told you she's our guest for the 50. (laughs) (laughs) That is good. The good news is we have booked you for both seventy four and ninety nine. <laughs> and episodes fifty is going to be Maggie and MJ talking. I was mad to miss out on nine and nineteen, so it'll be good to catch that stuff. Out. No, I, I'm really excited to be um, 
helping you guys cover your adventures of the surprising success of this uh, minor superhero character who showed up in Transformers number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess he had more appearances at besides that one. And this is one of them. And so I'm here. He made it. it. He made it. I am here for it. Yeah. I think it's because some of the, the characters that he fought against had some really good, you know, delicious sounding names. <laughs> Look, when J. Jonah Jameson is going through the midst of a nervous breakdown and some funny money scientists to uh, sponsor or to become a supervillain that's uh, meant to destroy Spider-Man and you are that person and you get the powers, you're stuck with whatever animal that they give you. Do you think the rhino wanted to be the rhino? I'm sure he had like some better ideas what to go, but rhino it went with. Kirk Connors is a really smart guy. I'm sure he had some much better ideas of what he'd like to, but he's a lizard. That's just how Marvel luck rolls. Beware the malevolent maggots. <laughs> it's, how the, it's how the scientific method works in the Marvel Universe. You are exposed to radiation, wait to see what animal you take on the characteristics of, and then go uh, start your like life of superheroism or life of crime accordingly. Well, since we are talking about some superhero and villainous names. Let's go ahead and talk to our resident super person. And I've got to call him Super Fancy. Super Fancy, why don't you tell us about how fancy you are? I'm going to assume that Super Fancy is me, Pat, because I do have many hardbound comic books in my collection. All that hardbinding is done by the great folks at OmahaBound.com. And this episode, much like pretty much all our episodes, is sponsored by them. And we can't recommend them enough. If you need stuff hardbound, they're the ones to see. Go check out omahabound.com today. If you can't get in on their hardbinding because they're a little backed up, thanks to, I think, this key advertising demographic that we provided them. If you can't get in there with them, but definitely still check out omahabound.com because they will have Kickstarters that they're doing. They have collections of hard-to-find comics, pre-bound things. Check them out, omahabound.com today. Be fancy like me. Be super fancy like your... And with that, now let's go ahead and get into this episode's issues. But before we do, let's go ahead and take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. There was an idea. To bring together a group of remarkable people. To see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could make the podcasts. That they never could. In time... You will know what it is like to cross over. To feel so desperately that the comic is right, yet to fail all the same. Dread it. Run from it. March 2021 still arrives. Evacuate the network. Engage all defenses. And get this man a cold Mountain Dew. Ooh, 
cold Mountain Dew. I haven't tried one of those. Nah, nah, nah. Make it warm. Thank you. Fun isn't something one considers when podcasting an event. But this <laughs> does put a smile on my face. You guys. The Merry Marvel Marching Society. We don't know where we're going, but we're on the way. A podcasting crossover mega event in the spirit of JL May. Coming in March 2021. Covering Marvel's fall crossover event, Axe. Of vengeance. A cabal of evil threatens the Avengers and the entire Marvel Universe. Doctor Doom, the Red Skull, Kingpin, Doctor Doom, Magneto, the Wizard, Doctor Doom, the Mandarin, and Doctor Doom have banded together to pit Earth's mightiest heroes against foes they have never faced before. An array of heroes face enemies they are totally unfamiliar with. But who is secretly pulling the vengeful cabal's strings? And can the Avengers take down the true mastermind before his hidden scheme succeeds? Featuring podcasts from Third Degree Burn, Back to the Bins, Avenger Spotlight, Coffee and Comics, Comic Book Time Machine, Doom Speak, Fan Holes Podcast, Fire and Water Podcast Network, Head Speaks, Into the Weird, Justice, not entirely dissimilar to Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast, Longbox Crusade, Married with Comics, The Quantum Cast, Resurrections, an Adam Warlock podcast, Rolled Spine podcasts, and Views from the Longbox. Marching its way to your favorite podcatchers and hosting sites in 2021. Act of Vengeance, a true story. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the first featured comic for this episode. And that is Amazing Spider-Man number 193. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Publisher is Marvel. Got a cover date of June 1979, but its on-sale date was March 13th, 1979. Editor was Marv Wolfman and writer. I was late to come off mute. Ow! <laughs> Penciler is Keith Pollard. Inker is Jim Mooney. Letterer is John Costanza. And colorist is Ben Sean. This is reprinted in Essential Spider-Man Volume 9 trade paperback, or you can find it on Marvel Unlimited to read along with us. And we hope that you do. Just makes it more fun, and we like to have some interaction with you, so go ahead and make sure you are chatting us in the comment sections when this comes out. We'd love to hear it. Cover credits go to penciler Alan Milgram and inker Bob McLeod of the Inkering McClouds. Let's go ahead and get a 
cover description from Jared. The Marvel Comics Group banner is black flag black with white letters. Spider-Man checks into his yellow corner box, but he doesn't check out. The Amazing Spider-Man logo is Orkin Man Red with black highlights, webs included. The main action provides us with a rakish angle high above an Egyptian obelisk where the fly is trying to kill Spidey dead. Spider-Man avoids the fly's raid with some webbing while saying, If the fly has all my powers, how can I defeat him? Putting the spider web's pestiness aside, that was an attempt at pesticide, the fly replies, the answer should be obvious, web slinger. You can't. Something, something, fumigation. Very clever. Yes. (laughs) I don't like it. Pestiness aside. (laughs) I'm ashamed of myself. All right. Well, let's do what we do. Everybody get ready for a cacophony of noise as Delvin, you get to be the fly. Pat, you get to be Spider-Man's webs. Okay. John, you get to be Spider-Man himself. Jason, you are a member of the crowd below who I assume will be Treetop Tommy. In three, two, one, make noise. Man, I just want to come up here and see you. We're going to see you again. to be here with Spider-Man. We're going to want no characters. What is this, a mosquito? Well, I don't even know what the heck this guy is. Man. I hate you. I hate you. These are Miwoks don't, like, flap their wings. It's clearly three tops, Tommy. Okay, enough with the way. <laughs> well done, everyone. We still await that call from Marvel. Mm, yes, I love those. I love doing those. Standing by, waiting for the call. Yes. We could have a variable plethora of those, you know, for every everything <laughs> of the season. That. Throw it out. Trepidatious, veritable, <laughs> plethora. Veritable, <Yeah>. plethora? <laughs> Using them correctly? Yeah, I got, um, you know, it was that big, shot, big words. It? it was that COVID shot you got. <laughs> <laughs> I, got the, I got big words on uh, my toilet paper for Christmas. What was that movie Limitless? Side effect could include literacy. (laughs) Well, speaking about literacy, let's go ahead and get some quick cover thoughts on this. And we will start with our guest, Jonathan. What's your quick cover thoughts on this? Well, for reasons that I will go uh, more into once I start talking about the issue itself, I have spent a lot of time of my young life looking at this cover. And it taught me a lot of things about force perspective and uh, just how you depict buildings from the top and taught me about comic books that have events that are only sort of like events that happen inside. But it probably is the origin of me being a sucker for any sort of uh, time when you see protagonists and enemies talking to each other just to describe the ludicrous situation they're in. That's what I get out of this. Delvin. I was sort of hoping that Nell Yumtov was like coloring this just so I could hear John's lovely comments about it, but I was out of luck. If, uh, if Nell Yumtov had colored this, I would be forced to say, oh my God, what happened to this man? Because back in the early 80s, he really was on freaking point. Oh, man. All right. Yeah. I like the cover. It is a fun one. I mean, it kind of depicts what happens in the book, kind of ish sort of ish but it's well drawn if anything i think that the fly is very well drawn looks athletic looks powerful and then there's the obelisk that is there as well that looks like pop no al milgram drew this cover right correct yeah so it looks like milgram took a little bit of time to draw it and i like the cover it's good jason yeah there's a lot that i do like about the cover 
We've talked about the Amazing Spider-Man logo itself. It's one of the coolest logos in comics, and it really pops off of this cover in particular. The obelisk, as was mentioned, really gives it a good sense of perspective and just kind of the dizzying heights that these two combatants are doing battle. I like the people that are standing around the base of the obelisk. That really gives you a sense of the distance and just kind of the angle that everything's drawn kind of gives you almost a little bit of a sense of vertigo. Jason, um, yeah. What angle? What What did I say? You just said you just angle. said angle. Is there any way what what kind of an angle is it? Oh, a rakish angle. Sorry. Ah, Sorry. Okay. Ah, I see what you guys are going. Ah, pick it up. I thought it was down. Yeah, a joke. So, so anyway, yeah, there is a lot to like about it. I guess again, my main complaint is just the villain. And Jared kind of touched on it. I'll leave him to go into that in a little more detail. I'm sure he's aching to do so. I'm just going to agree with you real quick here. You kind of stole all my notes that I had. I had height perspective. I like that. The color makes things pop pretty well. And I have rakish angle. With that, we'll go to Jared. This when do you get to go for me? When somebody steals all my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Star, well, that's, that's really the story of the cover. It's a great angle. Really good coloring. For all the mockery I do for the fly for naming himself after a spider's food source, he's got a great costume design. And it's well drawn here, and it's di- in fact he's more dynamic and outstanding than Spider Man, and that's like the only thing I don't like True. about the cover. But I agree with everybody else. Great angle, great colors, great logo, great balance. The fly looks great. I just wish Spider Man looked a little better. Yeah, I, I can see your point there, but I do love that rakish angle. You know, I always, I always think when we see these rakish angles, it always catches my eye. Now, with that, let's go ahead and get to the cover rating for this issue, and it's a one through five. Five, it tickled your tummy feathers. You loved it. Four, you really liked it. Three, liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It ruffled your tummy feathers. Jonathan, one through five. I will give this a four. I really liked it. There really isn't much more to say about that. I agree with everything you say. That does include a rather huge nostalgia bump for me, as we'll learn later. Mm -hmm. But even with that, it's a solidly good cover. And it's, um, I didn't even point out before, the amount of detail, the time that it took to do the little hieroglyphic detail is kind of nice. And just as a mental thing, but it's a four for me. Very cool. Jason. I'm going to say it's a four for me as well. I think I could easily, if that had been, say, Green Goblin instead of the fly on that cover, it would be a five for me all day. There's a lot of attention to detail that went into this cover, obviously, by Al Milgram. It shows up. The colorist is on point. The anchor's on point. You know, the artist is on point. So a solid four for me as well. Delvin. I'll stick with a four. Al Milgram is no stranger to Amazing Spider-Man. I know that much. And I think he had a pretty good run with Spec Spidey if he didn't start it. I know he's he's got history with Spider-Man. And this is a good cover. It was well inked. The fly does look fearsome. And so that makes... It'll cover that someone might go to back in the day. I could see that. And I wouldn't mind it on my wall. This would be kind of one of those niche ones that like, I mean, it wouldn't be my first pick, but it would definitely be one that, you know, you kind of show it as like, yeah, I'm a Spidey fan. Got the flyer on the wall, you know? So, yeah. Deep cut there. Yep. Yep. That's a four. Jared. I'll be honest with you. I was leaning towards a three, but you guys have pretty much convinced me. And I've kind of convinced myself. I keep glancing at that drawing of the fly and it's great. It really is. And when you can sell me a B-lister, perhaps C-lister like the fly like that, that's got to say something. I give it a four. And if they had a more dynamic Spidey, it might have got that five. But 
Let me know if we're going to open the door and get on the floor, Pat. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Boom, boom. Akalakalaka, boom. Boom, boom. Akalaka, boom, boom. Open that door and let's get on the floor. Everybody's going to rate this up for. Boom, boom. Akalakalaka, boom. Boom, boom. And I'm doing it just for that rakish angle. Oh, I'm just kidding. No, no. Say it one more time. I'm doing it just for that rakish angle. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I actually agree with you guys. I think the fly looks pretty tough. He looks menacing and, you know, Spider-Man's kind of getting beat. So it's pretty good. He met his match. If they would have called that guy Murder Hornet or something cooler, I think, <laughs> you know, I yeah, it's just the fly doesn't yeah. do it for me. With that, let's go ahead and get into the story synopsis. Brought to you by Delvin. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. The title of this issue was The Wings of the Fearsome Fly. Spidey is worried because after being bound to J. Jonah Jameson last issue, JJJ may have gotten a peek as to who Spidey really is, which could obviously ruin Spidey's life and Peter Parker's. In a way, they wouldn't be able to continue the dance of a little stranger because Jonah would know where Pete has been. Get it? No? All right, I'll keep going. Visiting the Bugle... Jonah kicks Peter out and calls Robbie into his office because JJJ and Robbie have been arguing and it's coming again. What's going to happen? We'll find out, I'm told. Who told me so? My mama. Get it yet? Okay. All right. I'll keep going. To make amends to Robbie, Pete tries to get pictures of the King Tut exhibit, which drew a crowd people wanted to stop and they see. The exhibit, that is. He also wanted to see if the fly was lurking around, too. The fly played a game of switcheroo. Diversion in the King Tut exhibit while he robs another monetarily equivalent exhibit in the hubbub. In the chase, Spidey gets blamed, chases the fly, gets exonerated, but the fly gets away. Spidey should have put his arms around him, baby. Put your arms around me. Come on, I'm giving it away. Oh, I know it now. <laughs> Relationship issues, first with Mary Jane, then with Betty and a returning net leads, send Spidey off the deep end. Ticked off. He doubles his search for the fly, only to see his foe captured by the cops. Embarrassing. So yeah, Pete is mad. Probably not going to be happy either to see that the guy who killed Peter's Uncle Ben, God rest his soul, has not only been tearing apart his childhood home, but has also accosted May's doctor. Much like love, the guy has a hostage and wants to do again with the torment of Peter Parker. Back to you, Pat. Oh, thank you for that sugary ray of a synopsis. <laughs> love it. I love it. Took me a while, but I got it. I got it. Once you give me that. Just got to spread some love and fly, Pat. Strangely enough, this is not related, but would you put your arms around me, baby? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Come here. I put my arms around you, baby. Hey. 
Yeah. I, was, I was waiting for Mayor Jane to hear that. That's why <laughs> oh, I didn't comment. <laughs> that's the only one that's had this, the vaccine so far. So start with that. <laughs> we gonna test that out, Patty Pat. Ooh, maybe, uh, maybe later, Mayor Jane. Maybe later. Well, yeah. Before we get any further with that, let's go ahead and get to the brick or brack for this issue. Is it a first read or a reread? Jonathan, I'm assuming it's a first read for you. Ah, uh, well then, Pat, you, as they say, assuming makes an out of Umi, and Umi sure feels like a here. No, this is actually, and this is the reason I wanted to be on this episode, and I'm very happy that you guys invited me on. This is the first comic I ever remember owning. I was five years old, and my uh, mom got it as part of a three-pack. It was this one, uh, the one previous, and some random one in the middle that I do not remember. So my mom would read this to me over and over again, and I would have babysitters read it to me. And this is partially how I learned how to read, was reading this comic book over and over and over and over again. You know, people joke about the electric company Spider-Man teaching them how to read. Uh, Marv Wolfman Spider-Man taught me how to read. So, yes, I, I have read this one before. Okay. All right. So it's down again. I knew I was going to get duped on that one, but stupid literacy. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I learned how to read. <laughs> I do. What a great story. Dad pictures. Look <laughs> at me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't know this was the kind of podcast where I'd be oppressed for my being a nerd here. I thought that I was. A <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Literacy is not acceptable here in Longbox Studios. Makes sense. <laughs> Jared. Yeah. It's a first read for me. Jason. First read. Delvin. I own the sucker, but didn't remember how it ended. So uh, Half a read? <laughs> kind of would have been a first See, Jonathan, that's how you do it. You own it and you don't read it. That's, that's how we do. Yeah, absolutely. You should have been like, and my mother read this to me, and I remember as a kid looking up at her loving eyes. And No, I didn't read it. I did, I did not read this at all. <laughs> Just so we can get to reading Rainbow. Like, okay, that's all we wanted. I assumed one of you guys would have read this one. It was a nice, touching story, but way to ruin the rainbow jacket. Well, that's, that's why I come on people's podcasts, is to just put that much of a... You know, I, I am that little sand grain that gets stuck in you, that you feel so bad about forever, but the pearl that arises around <laughs> makes it all worthwhile. So, we assuming Pat hasn't read it either? I have not read it, no. Not at all. This is my first time. You know, I remember as a boy wanting to read it, but my parents would say, no, I'm not reading that to you. You turn off that light and you go to bed right now. Hey, was dramatic. Anyway. We all, get, we all have get stories. Get back under the stairs. Get back under the stairs. <laughs> with that, let's go ahead and get to some highs and lows for this. And what does? And we'll start with Jonathan. He got a high, low, or what the? Well, Pat, I'm glad you asked. The obvious high being is that I, of course, had a much better childhood than yours mm -hmm. my high and i'm sure this is funny is the fly because of when i read this i assumed that the fly was a way more important villain in spider-man's canon than he was so years later um, i was always looking for the fly and he'd never pop in he winds up eventually getting killed by scourge i think during that whole scourge killing a bunch of d-listers he's among them and one, but and I, nobody noticed. Yeah, exactly not. It is too bad. You're probably right. Just the fly, you know, that is going to occur to literally everything. Of, but that spiders beat flies always. It's kind of their shtick. But 
as far as he's presented to us here and in the previous issue especially, he matches Peter move for move, if not superior to him. He's got his powers manifest in different ways. He's a very interesting evil opposite that you don't really get to see. And it is too bad that he didn't quite catch on because I really think he would have been an interesting recurring nemesis, just uh, of the type of the dumb guy who is just too good for you to be able to take out. Plus, he has the tie-in with Jonah. It is so. I like the fly. Yeah, I do think that he's kind of an interesting foe, at least one that can go toe-to-toe with Peter or Spider-Man. And also that he was kind of pretty... Smart with how his plan to rob the museum worked out. That's true. I, I called him a dumb guy, but he did have like basic heist stuff down. Of course, a heist is easier to pull off if I'm going to use my ability to fly, see everywhere, and you know, beat up everyone. Jared, what's your thought? Hmm. This was a weird one for me. I don't really feel like any highs out of it, and I don't feel like any lows out of it. This was such a middle-of-the-road mediocre read for me that nothing really leaps out to me in either direction. So I'm going to pull a Crusader's Chronicles first and say, eh, and you can count on that in round two. Eh, wow. Wow. Interesting. That's not, that's, not just, Adam, that's not just code for I didn't read it either. I read it. I just was like. I was going to ask. I was like, <laughs> okay. I didn't think it was bad, but I was, like, I was like, nothing really stands out to me either. And so I will defer my time to the distinguished gentleman from North Carolina. I'll add on to what Jared is saying. It looks like Wolfman, at least at this part of his run, and I can't remember how long Marv Wolfman stays on Spidey. I think at least the 200. And he, just like uh, in 191, 191 was kind of the setup. And then last issue, 192, knocked it out of the park. Uh, I think uh, that got fives from all of us. This is a setup issue. So much so to the point that the fly, the main villain, the villain that's on the cover, like he got done away off screen by cops and shield device X. <laughs> it's almost like Marv, like just basically said, Hey, 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 the fly wasn't important here. Other stuff going on. Like, okay, fair enough. Fine. I mean, he did put Spidey through the paces. So it was interesting because they set up, like, I mean, last issue, even though Spider-Man couldn't really fight back, the fly kicked his butt. And then he gave him, like, a run for his money and got away from Spidey and kind of kicked his butt again. And then Spidey went after him, and then he gets captured by the cop? And that's what I'm saying. It's like, after those two stories, you're like, oh, man, I can't wait for their rematch, which never happens. <laughs> It's kind of like various Transformers stories we read. Well, I can't wait to see when the next time Optimus Prime and Megan... No, that's just not that. Yeah, and I I get you, too. Reading through this now, you know, like, looking at it as a snapshot, it still works for me. The one thing is, having this be the first, you know, Spidey comic book, this created my love for Spider-Man, or at least cemented it this plus, I think I saw the you know, late 70s TV show, and eventually the Electric Company, all of that rolled together made Spider-Man my favorite hero. But in this one, this gives you everything you need to know about Spider-Man, and not just his power set and fighting abilities. Although you get a great, you know, overview of that. Even as a young kid, I realized this guy's life is terrible. It's like every single aspect of his life, even his Spidey life in this, are going wrong. Now, it is fun to then read the whole story arc now and realize that this is, as Delvin was saying, this is a setup to something that's coming 
leading up to a couple of issues from now, you know, you see at the very end what, where the story's moving into. But it is nice how this, which is a, just an average Spidey story, still is such a pure Spidey story. Boy, I feel like I read something different than what you guys did. Let's go ahead and see what Jason read. I didn't read it, Pat. no i think the thing that's got me hooked most at this point is the did he or didn't he aspect of j jonah jameson and this has been Mm. a burning question i've had since that moment what was it last issue or two issues ago because in my heart of hearts i cannot see j jonah jameson not taking advantage of that opportunity to peek under the mask and see who his arch nemesis is. And the way that Marv is telling this story, he keeps dangling it there and he's tantalizing us. And I'm like, I've got to know. So he, he's done a really good job of hooking me with that plot thread. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm thinking, I wrote down a lot of notes on here and I've just thought this was a great character building issue for Peter. You got a lot of stuff going on. He's getting his butt beat. He's getting, now he's getting dumped. And he's getting dumped by, you know, MJ. He's getting dumped by, uh, what's her name comes in there. Well, not, she's not really getting dumped, Betty, but she's not really dumping him, but he gets his whacked out by Ned as well, too. And now it's like, is this ain't his day? Now he's all mad and goes out trying to find somebody and that gets stopped too. So hopefully this is leaning to where he's just going to go off or something. I don't know. I really liked it. I want to say I'm now on team Jonah didn't look. I'm on that. I'm. I, I don't think he looked. I think he would have spoken up immediately if I, he had. He would not be holding that chest. There's no way he could hold that chestnut that long. Like there is no way that the editor in chief, the owner of the Daily Bugle, is not going to take advantage. No, I don't think he did. Moment to look. Nope. There's no way. He did no not. Way. There's no way he did so, and then did not immediately react accordingly. Because, well, do you want in, you mean in terms of what Mark Wolfman wanted or, or what is canon? I'm calling BS, man. Well, if, that, if he did not look, then I'm sorry. That's just no. There, there are two um, occasions in Marvel history coming up later where J. Jonah Jameson is made aware of the existence of Peter Parker's identity. In both of those cases, he reacts in exactly the same way, which is the only way he could react. It is not this way. J. Jonah Jameson, especially in this case where he's having close to a nervous breakdown, does not have the composure to keep that stuff bottled up within. It, he is the most craptacular journalist in history, if right. that is the case. If he did not look, he has gone entirely against his character. Now, the only way that I won't just throw this book away and walk away if that's the case is if there is some sort of mitigating circumstance, some reason why he couldn't look that is to be I, revealed I, to us later but if they say I, no he just didn't look i'm calling bs throwing the yellow flag and walking off the field i think he, yeah. how does uh, i don't think no. he looked because he owed spider-man that for saving his life saving the fall he fell on spider-man spider-man broke his fall so man no that's enough no no this guy still thinks that spider-man killed his son he blames spider-man for all this stuff. No. No, I'm sorry. All that's right. uh, that's ridiculous. But we will find out soon enough as we re- continue on reading through these. So with that, that's down with round one. Let's go ahead and get to the top of the next round. 
And let's go ahead and go to Jonathan again. You got a high, low, or what the for the final round? Ah, just as an overview of the art, but I'm going to zero in on two panels. Quick one you alluded to earlier, Pat, which is Ned Leeds, Cold Cock, and Peter Parker with a swack. That is a great action-paced how-to-draw-the-Marvel-way comic or thing. And then you've got Betty in the back. It's like, Ned, stop it. No, don't. Don't hit him. As she's like got her hand up about ready to clock him one, too. What an odd storyline. There was that one and my other one, which is oddly in its own way the most Peter Parkery picture of all time, and that is Spider-Man wiping his nose. Because it taught me that as a kid, Spider-Man's got a cold. He's sick and not in a plot way that means, oh no, he's sick, and that's gonna be you know, he's got a disease that he no, he just has a cold on top of every other thing that else that's going bad in this book including usually Spider-Man is his way out. You know, when everything else is terrible, at least he can put on his his tights and go swinging around and beat people up. But it's the middle of winter, he's freezing, he's got a cold. (laughs) There's nothing that shows that up more. He pulls his mask up, wiping his nose with his damn glove. That is glorious. I think that just brings a human aspect to that. This superhero has got some human heart to him. Right. But, got some human problems. But I I can't think of too many other times I've seen that. You know, something just like they take a time to do a whole panel on. And now I got to blow my nose because I got that going on. I'm thinking maybe it's a plot point that'll come down where he's getting weak. Possibly. Who knows? <laughs> possibly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead. Delvin. I'll quickly speak just to the action. I did think that the battle between Spider-Man and the fly in the book was really good. The only part of the action I disagreed with was that as of this point, Spidey is exonerated by the cops. And the cops were like, hey, that's Spidey up on the roofs or on the ceiling. Let's shoot him. What? (laughs) But overall, I did like the action scene, which was all the more peculiar that Marv decided to cut it short. I mean, when he went on a manhunt for the guy, he was so yeah. mad. And then he got caught by the cops. Like, oh. <laughs> like I, that, I'm, I'm just surprised at that. I really, really am. But that's the whole plot point of it is that they, somebody called, this guy called somebody who had some higher power and said, nope, let's get this guy taken down real quick. Yeah. So I'm, I'm intrigued of what's going to happen there. Jared, got high, lower, you got a what the? Let me just ask you this. Still? okay at least i figured out why i feel so eh, about it i think i just don't enjoy reading this book because it's all anger Mm -hmm. spider-man got angry at the fly the fly was i guess kind of angry at spider-man robbie's angry at peter mary jane's angry at peter jonah's angry at robbie and peter ned's angry at peter it's just, it's, I don't know. I, I guess this wasn't joy in it for me. I, you know, Jason brought up the one point that I kind of wish I'd thought of in round one. Yeah, I was kind of intrigued on the whole did he or didn't he look at the mask. But aside from that, this, it was just so much anger in this issue. I was just like, eh, it just made me feel meh. Okay. And so I will say meh. What would you say? Meh. Oh. I can see that. I'm looking at it as a bigger build up to something. So at least that's what I'm thinking. Oh, if I don't, I don't know. I, I have faith in Wolfman. Yeah, he knows how to build a story, and he's already proven it. So, and I, I won't spoil anything, but this does pay off. It is exactly this. It is building up a certain mood so that it can pay off with what comes after this. You get a couple of hints at it in this one that'll make more sense as you see it go forward. 
that's what I've kind of been kind of trusted in these his storytelling. So that's what's got me kind of moving forward and, and not feeling the. But <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Maybe a few issues down the road, Jared might change it. We'll find out. I guarantee it. I've read enough Amazing Spider-Man to tell you I'm going to turn the corner here. But yeah, yeah. you know, for now, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, Jared, if you changed it, what sound would that be? <laughs> I like it. I like that. Yeah, that's a good spin on that. Jason, high, low, or what the? I don't know that I'd necessarily call it a low, but Peter just seems to be acting out of character, or at least my understanding of him as a character. And obviously, Jonathan and Delvin have uh, much more experience with the character of Spider Man than I have, but I've just really been kind of unsettled by the way he's been acting towards Ned and I always forget her name. Uh, Betty. Betty. And I, it just doesn't sit right with me. And I kind of understood why Ned came and decked him. And I just kind of feel like as I was reading this story, like Peter's kind of brought some of this stuff on himself. Just I've, for once I was kind of on the side of J Jonah Jameson. It was like, dude, you're here to take pictures. You have no picture. You're fired. And in fact, I fired you a long time ago. Why are you in my office? And Robbie's like, well, I thought I'd give him another chance. He's like, okay, well, you and I are going to have a discussion. And for once in my life, I'm like, I'm kind of on Team Jonah on this one. And so I, I don't know. I guess, you know, I didn't quite end up in the man category that Jared ended up in, but I was left a little uncomfortable with the character of Peter Parker in this one. It just kind of felt like for somebody who's with great power comes great responsibility, he's behaving very irresponsibly in a lot of these scenarios. I mean, come on now. That's my argument. That was it. (laughs) (laughs) The other part of that is the responsibility that he's bearing is, well, I couldn't take pictures because... I had to save the carcass of J. Jonah Jameson while being strapped to a bomb. You can't say that to anybody because everyone would be like, no, you weren't, you crazy person. What are you talking about? It's too... That's fair. That's a fair point. All of it's building up. Like, with the whole Betty situation, he did try to say no to Betty. He did try and you know, yeah, Betty, he I, yeah I mean, <laughs> he, he tried kind of because Mary Jane rejected him, and then Betty came back into his life. But then he didn't quite feel right about it, so he tried to make things right with MJ. But he screwed it up because he had the whole Jonah strapped to a bomb thing, which also made him uh, shirk his responsibilities of as being a photographer. So, I mean, it's all kind of like in one little spidey web there, all tangled up, like where Pete is kind of, he's not master of his own web right now. That's for sure. But I yeah. would say it's because he's an irresponsible person. I would say that he's just kind of in the thick of it. I think this is pretty on point for Peter. And I think, Jason, your, your issues with Peter in the story, I think, made the story is doing his job. This is an unusual amount of tossing crap on Peter. Delvin's exactly right. This is a combination of situations that Peter created, that Peter has no control over, and just, you know, all mixing together and lumping on him right now, both in his Spider-Man 
and Peter Parker identity and kind of looping in on each other. So he's having one of his worst days in comic. And considering this is a man who may have accidentally killed his own girlfriend, that is saying a lot for worst days. This episode is a really good description of or showing the Parker luck in those times when everything is just coming to a head. But I think things are going to get better for him soon. Well, I hope so. And I do concede some of those points that you made, John, and, and you made Delvin. I did think through those as well. I think maybe it is just because it's so much happening. And I'm trying to sort out like, well, that's kind of a dumb decision that he made back there. And, and oh, yeah. well, you know, but you're right. There are just some of the things that are consequences of him living dual identities. So that's why I, I opened this by saying, I'm not sure if it's a low necessarily it's just making me feel unsettled yeah i think like jonathan said it it's doing its job to make you feel something and kind of wonder what's actually happening so that's the way i was taking it it was this was a big character building moment for me this issue so i really enjoyed it all right i think well with that why don't we go ahead and get into the silly spidey moment for this issue jonathan what's your silly spidey moment let's see the silly Spidey moment is Spidey having to wipe his nose in the midst of everything else that's even going on. <laughs> Delvin. I'm taking a page from Jason's book, I feel, but uh, after he starts chasing after the fly or whatever, and he just says, you know, all I've got is one great big fat mat on. And it's like, whoa, oh, careful, dude, you're in spandex. <laughs> 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 you may want to keep your mat on contained to if you're in the house by yourself. <laughs> I'm not proud. I'm not. <laughs> I like how he name dropped me as that would be like my kind of joke right there. And he's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's find out. Was that your silly spidey moment? No, I picked one. I thought it was humorous when he's in the museum and the lady says, Spider-Man, what are you up to? He says, my neck, in trouble. Now get down while the lead's flying. <laughs> I thought that was, that was funny. I got That was a good one, too. One. Yeah. Jared. All right, my silly Spidey is unintentionally funny. It comes from content page eight, and I will read. Remember that name when you awaken, and don't forget to tell the reporters how I pulled this off. Setting up everything to make you fellows think I was after the Tut exhibit, only I was after the Art of Dresden show instead read about it in the National Geographic, and he goes on for two more panels. Who yes. the f*** is he talking to? He's telling this guy to remember all these things. The guy's unconscious. That is some <laughs> silly stuff. Sorry about the bleep. <laughs> Maybe he was recording it. He was just going to leave the recording. Like he went into excru like four panels of I thought the same thing. I thought an the same unconscious thing. guard. <laughs> thought yeah, it's like, oh, you were supposed to go and help bubble. the other guards. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> oh, well, I ain't going to top. That's a, that's the topper for me, that one. one. So I'm just going to go, you guys, I'm sure you all saved the, the bunkies for me. So thank you, bunkies. I appreciate <laughs> no it. No problem. All bunkies. the bunkies are yours. I don't What happened to Chuckles? Yeah, the bunkies must be. Chuckles will return. Chuckles took yeah. an issue off. Yeah. Bunkies, though. I like bunkies. Sounds fun. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into the ratings for this issue. Again, it's a one through five rating here. It is five, you loved it. It tickled your tummy feathers. Four, you really liked it. Three, just liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It ruffled your tummy feathers. Jonathan, one through five for this issue. 
I will give this a four. I've really enjoyed um, this opportunity, by the way, to come on and talk about this one with you guys and listen to all of these opinions from every direction. It is not very often that you get to go back at a comic that is so like personally relevant to you and, and get it sort of teared apart. So it's really great. But it's a four. You know, the flaws that that are there are are there. So it isn't quite a five, but it is one of those comics that I will remember the entire plot of for the rest of my life. Very good. Delvin. I'm at a three. Musical genius. So on and so forth. Yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Three, five. If I could, but I can't. I trust Marv Wolfman. Wolfman, excuse me. Marv. Marv. Wolf. Man, there's a V and there's an F. It's messing up my universe right now. Yeah, I trust his writing. And you can tell this was a setup. And I can't remember what it's a setup to. So I'm I'm very intrigued by it. I know who the big bad is in 200, but I can't remember how we got there. So I'm looking forward to these next uh, seven issues. I know next issue is monetarily wise, it's kind of an expensive one because I bought it <laughs> a few weeks back. <laughs> uh, so it'll that'll be a debut of a very of a seminal Spider-Man character. And it's going to be some good stuff coming up. And he knows how to set up a story. I'm looking forward to seeing what he has here. This one was good filler. So good filler gets that three plus for me. We're not doing pluses. We are doing plus. I just did a plus. That's not even still a three. I mean, like, you know, in the whole rating scale, like the plus. (laughs) Say strong three. Just say strong three. That's what (sighs) I do. He lets that go. <laughs> gonna let this one go. You, you gotta let it go. Fine, fine, whatever. Plus, whatever. <laughs> move, move on to Jason. I'm at a three. I really appreciate John's perspective and and sharing. You know, obviously, this is a comic that's very close to his heart, and we all have those issues that you know we don't care what you say. <laughs> it's a four in my heart, and it's it'll remain a four. So I respect that. Spider Man was also one of the comics that I first learned to read on as well. So mad love and respect there. For me, the things that are keeping me hooked are the Diddy or Diddy of J. Jonah Jameson. And I think I'm just getting, and it's probably by design, by Marv's design, I'm getting tired of seeing Spider-Man drugged through the mud. And uh, some of it's by his own design, as we talked about. Some of it are things outside of his control. But I am eager to kind of turn the page and see what happens in the next chapter. So, Jared, much like Jason, I completely understand Jonathan's love for it. We did my Amazing Spider-Man of that just a few issues ago with the Captain America and Electro issue. That one was totally mine. That's the same feeling I get. So I totally understand John's feeling and he's right to have it. Uh, But having said that, I'm giving this one a two. It's just too much of an angry issue for me. Ultimately, I'm just looking forward to moving on to the next one. Okay. Well, boy, this is a really uh, awkwardly decided group here. So, But I like it. I definitely like it. And I'm going to tell you guys where I'm at. I enjoyed this issue. I have a lot of notes, as I'm going to show you right here. Ton of notes. And you, sorry, people, you can't see it, but I got a ton of notes. I thought it was a very well-written story for me. Um, it kept me going through character moments here. What's going on? Seeing Spider-Man get angry and just trying to, you know, let loose some of that. And, and there's something building. There's something building. It's just building and building here. Uh, Jonah freaking out. Just all this stuff going on. The fun parts in it. The fighting was was good as well, too. And what really put me over the edge here 
is some of the words in here. Not only was bunky used, but one of my favorite words that I don't use a lot, but you may have heard it during Crusademus, is rouge. <laughs> he, he really did a, uh, the fly did a good rouge on everybody. I Whoa. saw that. I saw that. Look, Pat. Yes. Pat, we talked about this. Oh. Say it right. right. Ruse. There we go. There we go. That's my boy. There we go. That's my boy. All that said, I am giving this a five. I really enjoyed it and am really looking forward you to the next the show. Edition. You're off the show. <laughs> wow. Jonathan just gave it a wow. four. And it's his childhood <laughs> I would like to increase my uh I would like to increase <laughs> to a five now. Love it. Pat actually What is happening? So I love it. That's that's some awesome positivity. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really, I was, this thing was, I was paid into this thing and I'm like, wow, there's a lot going on. There's, there's something brewing here and I'm really down for what's going to happen. So. I love just, it. And just when Ned showed up and bonked oh, Spidey. I didn't it, like that. Part, yeah. I was like, whoa. That was so great. That was nice. He was like, you better be well because I'm about to lay one on you. Wasn't <laughs> <laughs> hey! his fist hurt or you know, or break the, with Spider-Man and his... Well, I see once again, Spider-Sense took the day off. Yeah. Um, I think Peter- oh, yeah, Spider-Sense, too. What happened there? That's what I was wondering. Is that one of those, oh, crap, I have to sit there and let this punch me? It's going to feel like, uh, sorry I for mean, it, it didn't hurt. <laughs> right. I see just no, that's, that's a laundry thing. Yep. He just rolled Those corn rows were filled with anger. You know, uh, as a Quick aside before we move on, though, as, as someone who just reread the Lee Ditko run, this feels very much like that because in every one of those issues, Pete is both mean and angry at everything, and every single thing in the world is going wrong, and some villain is jumping when he doesn't need it and does, does that. So I can appreciate that, especially in this era of trying to ape Romita to actually have the stylistic look back at the Ditko era. I could have said that before when I was talking about the issue itself. And <laughs> since I didn't, I will move on and we can. All right. Well, that's a good point. Though. <laughs> Speaking about moving on, let's go ahead and do that. That'll bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. And we will be right back. <laughs> You are receiving a transmission from the Rod Pod. Upload pending. Stand by for soundtrack transfer. I am Maggie. And I am John. And we are trapped, hurtling through space in a ship shaped like Rodimus's head. The ship, for reasons we haven't been able to determine, contains the entire run of the IDW Transformers Phase 2 comic which chronicle the events following the end of the war between the Autobots and Decepticons. So we figure we may as well read them all in order and report our findings to you. Stand by. Stand by. Upload complete now. Rod Pod. Look for us at marriedwcomics.libsyn.com, at iTunes, at Stitcher, or wherever good podcasts can be found. So, uh, tell all our one. Tell all our one. Two, 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 two.
Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the second featured comic for this episode, which is determined by our Crusader Club members. Club members get to vote on this segment using the online poll only available on the Longbox Crusade page at patreon.com. As always, we want to thank our Crusader Club members for voting to help determine the programming for this show. If you want to get in on the voting and all the other amazing benefits of being a Crusaders Club member, just head on over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. You can join in as little as $1 per month and help determine what each episode's sec feature will be. For this episode, the Crusader Club member selected Star Wars 24. The credits for this issue were provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Publisher was Marvel. It's got a cover date of June 1979, but its on-sale date was March 27th, 1979. Editor was Archie Goodwin. Writer, Mary Jo Duffy. Penciler, Carmine Infantino. Anchor, Bob Wycheck. Letterer, Rick L. Parker. Colorist was Petra Scotese. And you can read along with us in Marvel Unlimited. Cover credits go to Penciler, Carmine Infantino. And anchor, Bob Wycheck. And speaking about the cover, let's go ahead and get a cover description from Jared. I'm going to put a bit of a twist on this one, so try to keep up. The Marvel Comics Group banner is red with black letters, and it's a pretty good promoter. Luke is still standing strong, like Cromwell, in the red background corner box. The Star Wars logo is swan white with red highlights. The main action depicts Obi-Wan Kenobi cornered with blasters and knives aimed in his direction. It looks like murder by death for old Ben. Will it be the tunes of glory for old Ben, or will he end up just a handful of dust? A cover blurb with great expectations reads, Now, an all-new untold tale, Ben Kenobi fights alone. An additional text box reads, Silent drifting, like they were drifting on the River Kwai. I didn't get it. No, I didn't get it either. It's nope. obvious. It's all Alec Guinness movies. Oh. I'm kidding. Jared had to explain it to me, too, when he wrote this over. <laughs> all right, Jared. Thank you for that. A pint of Guinness to you. As I give you a toast, well, that's the best I could come up with. That's not bad. That's not bad. Let's go ahead and get to some quick cover thoughts. And we'll start with Jonathan. This is pretty par for the course of these particular comics of the era. Uh, the color scheme is weird. It's bizarre seeing Ben in this purple robe. But it's a very uh, Western looking cover, which I appreciate. If you would replace the lightsaber with him as a cowboy, you know, just standing there with a six gun and various people shooting back, it would work and I'd want to see. I think it's pretty good as far as that goes. Jared. I'm pretty much with John. I think artistically it's pretty good. I think what it promises is what's most interesting, you know, especially if you put your mindset in 1979, we're getting additional free Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi story in here. So that's really what sells it to me. He said, artistically, it's fine. I don't think it's great, and I don't think it's bad. I think it's just fine. But the promise, that's where the magic is. Where's the magic? The promise. Jason? I agree. I like this cover an awful lot. Again, it's 1977. We had just seen Obi-Wan Kenobi die on the big screen. So to see this character so prominently displayed on a Star Wars cover is very cool. To see him in a cool action pose surrounded by a bunch of ruffians cornered on a spaceship looks really cool so everything on this cover makes me want to pick it up and buy it delvin i got what the cell was i knew the cell was obi-wan and 
it also gave a foreshadow as to what the story was going to be, kind of a break in the action or a flashback. I thought it was a good cover, and I can understand Jason's enthusiasm in it and any Star Wars fanatics' enthusiasm into it that is telling a story about a character that a lot of people do like. Very good. I think you guys all hit on this. For me, this one is the nostalgic feel on it to see Ben Kenobi. I think the colors help things pop a little bit as well, too. With that, let's go ahead and get into some cover ratings. And it's, again, a one through five rating system here on the LBC. Five is you loved it. It choked out your insolent coworker. Four, you really liked it. Three, liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. Tansi Station was all out of power converters. Jonathan, is Tashi Station out of power converters or do you like to choke your insolent coworkers? I uh, very nearly wanted to choke out some coworkers, but it, it's a four. This is a very exciting, um, solidly Star Warsy cover. The only reason it doesn't get a, a five is that this era of Star Wars, that like Ben Kenobi wouldn't give it for me. You would need um, like a Han or Luke on there or a Darth Vader in order for that. But yeah, this is pretty great. So a four. Jared. Oh, man. I wish Joe November was here. We got Delvin as Joe September giving out pluses and minuses. Yes. <laughs> Joe January. Thank you. More Man, because I would really be at a 3.5. Uh, you know, I, I John's got me feeling the love for it. I'll go, I'll go to four. I'll go to four on it. I think it's good cover that I wouldn't mind having the original art for. Jason. I'm at a four. Not even hesitant about it. This cover reminds me of that scene at the Moss Eisley Cantina where Obi-Wan Kenobi whips out that lightsaber for the first time. And, you know, when you see this cover, it suggests that somebody's limbs are going to be hitting the floor. So I'm excited to see it. It's a four all day for me. Delvin. I tried to get my laughs out of the way while I was on mute. I'm at a three. I think it's good. I'm sorry, y'all. I can't fake it. I don't have the enthusiasm that y'all do, but I don't think the cover is bad at all. So there is that. All right. That's fair. I am going to give this a three as well. So I'm right there with you, buddy. This is a, a decent looking cover, but I was expecting more. A little more Star Warsy for me is what I needed. Two Maybe. cool papers. There yeah. we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Darth Webb. <laughs> oh, see, it's catchy, ain't it? oh all right well with all that hilariousness out of the way let's go ahead and get to the story synopsis and that will be brought to you by jason long ago in a galaxy far far away there exists a state of cosmic civil war a brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny of the oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Stanley presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all.
This one is titled Silent Drifting. In this retro story filler issue, we are treated to a tale of General Kenobi from the past. Our story opens with Han, Luke, Leia, and Chewie aboard the Millennium Falcon. Our heroes narrowly escape an ambush of two TIE fighters thanks to some quick thinking and daring strategy from Han. Still not impressed by the smuggler's antics, Leia decides to take him down a peg or two by mansplaining how Han <laughs> could have saved their lives better and telling a tale of old Ben, not Battlewagon, that she learned from her childhood. Obi-Wan is traveling aboard a travel liner that is attacked by pirates. Aided by a droid he befriends on the ship, the Master Jedi takes control of the situation and although outnumbered and outgunned, manages to defeat the threat and save the crew and passengers. What that had to do with Han saving the princess's butt at the beginning, I'm still trying to work out because I have no idea. Back to you, Pat. <laughs> actually, you know, they talk about it in the story that it refers, this issue is actually supposed to take part right after issue number 15. So I don't know if this was a delay in this issue. Is, is this a, of course, it's kind of filler. a filler, but. <laughs> filler. But if you remember, I think, it, I don't know filler, if we read 14 or whatever. All right. Anyway, <laughs> but this one takes place after fifteen, which is the end of the storyline where they were on the water world, and then Han and Leia were on the bigger pirate ship that was coming. In. Uh, and so, I don't know if you guys remember that story at all. I'm sure Delvin does. Actually, I do. We didn't get to the end yeah. of it. We read like pieces. This of is it. the end yeah. of it. it. All that to build up <laughs> to the the story that's going on. The end of it was this flashback, huh? Mm -hmm. Sweet. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Wonderful. Let's go ahead and get to the brick or rack for this. Is it a first read or a reread, Jonathan? I must have read this at some point. I had a collection it was in, but I didn't okay. remember anything about it. So gauge that whichever way you need for a rainbow or not. Just lie to us. Say it's a first read. Lie to us. I don't remember anything about it. So sure. <laughs> first read. Jared. First read. Jason. It's a first read for me. Delvin. Yeah, it's a reread for me. I had this as a kid. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing that thing again. I got duped. It doesn't mean. Uh, no, it's a first read. All right. Well, that makes it just about to a reading rainbow. But uh... No, I thought back really hard, and I know I have not read this one before. All right. Oh, yay. That counts. It's a We got there. Let's go ahead and get to some high lows or what does for this. And we will start with Jonathan. You got a high low or what the? I love this era of Star Wars just as an overview thing. It's hard to imagine in this era of Disney Plus just releasing eight new series that we're going to see in all sorts of different eras. But back then, all we had outside of the movie was the novelization. I think the book Splinter of the Mind's Eye might have been out by this point, and this. And the best part about it is they were writing new stories without having any idea what was going to be coming next, because Lucasfilm was, you know, was not forthcoming with any Empire Strikes Back stuff. So they were forced to basically write a whole bunch of stuff that were a lot of retreads of the sort of things they had 
Or in this case, they decided to go and do a story in the past, which they had to then uh, were getting from the novelization and like some of the shooting scripts, some little ideas around to try to build this old republic, which is a very different old republic than the old republic we eventually got, which is ironic. They were constantly getting scripts rejected from Marvel at this point, mostly because they wanted to write all these stories about, you know, Luke Skywalker's father and and Darth Vader hanging out because they didn't. And Lucas is like, nope. And so instead they had this, which thus did a really good job of creating what seems to be a very realistic old Republic. It definitely feels distinct from the Star Wars world they're showing, you know, doing as much as they can without giving you a lot of details. But the feel is very, very different from what we get. But it does feel very much about the idea you'd get if you read the novelization. So I do like that as a feel, and it it's really cool to be seeing like this alternate past, as it were. Yeah, I totally agree. I have that in my notes that I was really interested in the uh, world or universe building that's going on in this issue uh, with the Old Republic and all that. So I, I definitely understand what you're talking about. Jared, high, low, or what the? You pick, Pat. You want me to do a high or a low? Uh, let's get the low all the way. Flashback. <laughs> yeah, I know they are that's, never welcome on this network for some reason. That's on my notes, to too. The, as soon as we got to the whole, let me tell you a tale, I was like, ah, <laughs> you feel like the way I feel on Saturday Matinee Theater. And then to skip ahead, because she, to, to set up the tale, Jason covered this in the synopsis, to set up the tale, she's like, oh, that was a cool move, but not completely original. Let me tell you how old Ben did it. And he did nothing like what Han Solo did. So what Han Solo did was actually more clever than what <laughs> Obi did in that story. So I was like, see, that is weird. You see, Han, what you really wanted to do was be a Jedi back in the old Republic. Grow a goatee, Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, that just, that, that whole flashback almost undermined her whole point flashback. It was like, not only was it a, a useless flashback, but it was almost like, like a hurtful <laughs> flashback to her point. Leia is so terrible in these early issues like well, this. We, we've actually but they don't know about her in previous yeah. issues. In, in yeah. previous issues, she's done a lot of cool stuff, but this one, she was off. <laughs> There's a maybe I'm mixing mixing which time frame is, but there is a period where her entire point is to just yell at Han Solo about stuff, which, <laughs> which to be fair, he deserves half the time. But it's like that's what she's for. They had very few plot elements to go with. I think we will go to that well uh, quite often. I think you're right. And in episode four, she was kind of snotty to him. She, you know. And five. That's That's what they they do. do. Yeah, that's their thing. So it's funny to see the early, you know. Beginnings of it, yes. I will say, too, I think this is an important point. What Jared said about him reading it and going, oh, no, it's a flashback. That wasn't a metaphor. I was there when he read it. He Thanks picked it up and he went, he looked me in the eye and said, oh no, it's a flashback. <laughs> I literally looked over to Jason and was like, flashback. Damn it. <laughs> Jason, you got a high, low, or what the? Y'all give a high to the character design of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like John was saying, this is really early on in the Star Wars universe. It's kind of a more of a blank slate, if you will. And I thought that the design was really cool. I kind of liked having the younger, dapper Obi-Wan Kenobi with the Just for Men all up in his beard and everything else looking good. (laughs) So I thought that the Obi-Wan Kenobi element was fun. And I could really see 
Ewan McGregor in that role, doing that character in that scene. So for that yeah. time period, I thought they did a pretty good job of capturing General Kenobi from the Old Republic. You know, that's funny, though. They are doing the Obi-Wan series, and with the amount of little nods that they have been giving to old um, extended continuities on Mandalorian, I would not be shocked if we got a reference to this comic book somehow, if they managed to put him in a situation in this event, especially with the showrunners. Yeah, stranger things have happened, that's for sure. Yeah, even if it's just a, you know, a screenshot of this cover kind of in that in that way would be kind of cool. Delvin. High, low, or what the? I'll go what the. So, all I'm saying here is that Ben was really familiar with that droid. Like, almost eerily so. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can come in a room, stay with me. I, I don't even know you, but we can, you know, we can hang out. Maybe, you know, have a couple of oil cans together. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Wink! Wherever the droid goes, I go. Wink! I, I want to have sex with a droid. Oh, wait, that's not a wink. That's just an outright overture at that point i don't know i'm just saying he was friendly with the droid and that just raised an eyebrow everybody else was either a criminal or a or a bureaucrat i'd go with the droid too in that case i think (laughs) he was droid friendly it's just that's all i'll I'll say there one element that i did like about that though was when he made that firm line in the sand is like i won't own a droid you know, droids are basically treated as slaves in this right. time period. And he's like, no, I won't. And so I think what they're trying to say is I'm treating this like I would any sentient person. And that does kind of jive with how we see Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars 77. When he's like, I don't never owned a droid, you know. Yeah. And so I, I think that that was what they were trying to get at. Although I will agree with you, Delvin, there were some like, slow your roll there old man my little what the is if you're a captain of a ship what do you actually do if you're not ready to you know go to war or something you know i know it's like come on you're the captain take control of the ship yeah ben kind of pulled an almost thought look at me yeah i'm the captain now (laughs) that wasn't the captain captain did ask him i i will say that you know, this is a peacetime captain. Basically, he's like the captain of the love boat. Right. <laughs> this is a this is a cruise ship captain. This is like your captain from the love boat. This, this is, is like Captain Stubing. Yeah. <laughs> the guy walks up. It's like, hi, I'm a Jedi. Hey, Mr. Captain. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he was looking for any way out of that situation. Right. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah. I'm defending this comic a lot. <laughs> I see that. Yeah. <laughs> Just Kirak, your honor. <laughs> I like that the name of the captain was Captain Quasar. I don't know if do you we like Quasar around these parts. I forget, yeah. Jared. Do we do we like Quasar? I'm gonna have to go with the strong negative on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a negative from Jared. All right, we'll get back. Um, I only put that in there just to get that kind of reaction. Anyway, so I wanted to like Quasar. I really did. Jonathan, we are into a second round. You got a high, low, or what? The as a high, low, they give us an asteroid field situation. Uh, about a a good year before the Empire Strikes Back. I don't think it quite works as well. It gets a little busy and messy for me, but it is interesting that they, even without any knowledge of what was going to come in Empire and trying to desperately grab from any sci-fi premise they could throw in, they, of course, think asteroids, and they had that, so that was fun to see. Yeah, I thought the space battle was really well done here, too. And just, you know, it's Carmine Infantino art. Man, just really good art in this. 
Carmine's Star Wars stuff is so distinct. It doesn't take like one panel of anything. You're like, that's Carmine on Pantino in Pantino and Star Wars. And it's distinct over the eras too. His stuff that he wrote once he had Empire Strikes Back models to work from, he gets even more detail mm. and stuff on this. And Walt Simonson even draws for this for a little while around the Return of the Jedi time. And that is some beautiful stuff. I like the art throughout this entire series. Yeah. Jerry. What did I promise you in round two? Hi. Hi. Yeah, it was the art. (laughs) Well said. Well said. Here, here. With that, we'll go to Jason. I'm going to say that I really enjoyed the opening sequence of this. Like that opening part of the book more than I like the story of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I thought that the battle between the Millennium Falcon and the two TIE fighters, it reminded me a lot of the film. Uh, it took me mm-hmm. back into, I could almost see it play out as part of a movie in my in my mind. And I thought that that was very well scripted. And the art on that, as we talked about, was great. So that opening first few pages to me were the highlight of the book. Delvin? I'm actually out. I uh, don't really have uh, anything else to say. I'll pass it to you, Pat. Yeah, this I you know I can f- see how you guys are feeling on this one. It is an oddball one where flashback and you get this odd kind of a story. We're so in depth about the how Star Wars should be. So when reading this one is a little awkward. And and Delvin probably you know you've read some Star Wars, you've heard of some Star Wars. So I'm assuming that you kind of too felt that this one was kind of odd placement for it. Well, in similar to Spider-Man, it felt like filler to me. Yeah. They almost hinted as much as like, okay, we're kind of on a swashbuckling adventure. Hey, this reminds me of the time. Oh, here we go. Unless it directly is going to influence some plot point that's coming up in the book. This was filler. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably even more so than Amazing Spider-Man. So I thought the filler in Amazing Spidey was tastier than this. You know, mm-hmm. it happens sometimes, and that's what felt like the case here. Uh, you know, that's me speaking more as the um, yep. comic book reader as opposed to just Star Wars, because I, I won't approach y'all's knowledge on on that. You know, I hear you. Good to get a newer, fresher take on this coming into the universe here. So, all right. Well, it sounds like we got everything out of the way on this issue, so why don't we go ahead and see who was the star warrior of this issue. Jonathan, do you got somebody that was a star warrior for this? Princess Leia is the star warrior for telling us this story, which we never would have gotten if not for that. Good choice. Jared? I'm going to go out of bounds and give my star warrior to Carmine Infantino. He drew a heck of a book. I love his character designs, the details on his ships, and that space stuff. So, yep, Carmine Infantino. I'm cheating and giving him my Star Warrior. I will let you do that because you are definitely right on that. Just those space battles alone were really sweet looking. Jason. I'm giving mine to the man Han Solo. If Han Solo hadn't saved Princess Leia's butt and everybody's butt on that ship, she wouldn't be allowed to tell that story. And that story was less interesting than that moment that they just experienced. (laughs) Well, he could have saved her butt with more style, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you were a Jedi and had a goatee and we're on the road or whatever. <laughs> I almost road. gave it to Captain Quasar for being like, you take over. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Could have done that. Delvin. Jason took mine. I thought it was Han. Han had the very cool uh, way of getting out of a very dicey situation at the start and that set up this whole thing. Mm-hmm. 
I agree with you too. I'm going to go with Han with the story that was told. I'm still trying to figure out how he knew it was equipment that the guy had that was, you know, sending out the signal to where they were at. Probably pirate instincts. That clearly isn't the first escape that Han Solo was made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You make an interesting point, Pat. I'm going to jump in on that. One thing that I was, uh, I guess, a little disappointed on is they kind of, you're talking about that, the, like this, the cruise ship was putting out a beacon. Correct. There was like a saboteur involved. Oh, yes. But they was, didn't really yeah. dig into that so much. It was just like, oh, I found the machine and I broke it. Like yep. they didn't really build We're it done. up as much as they could. Yeah. 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 I was like, well, was it this guy? Was it not? Yeah. I was a little unclear on who, who it was. Like, it was yeah. like, I don't know. It's just something we they just didn't quite sell that part yeah. of it. I wanted to know who the saboteur was. And I wanted to yeah. hear you say saboteur on this episode. <laughs> I was falling for this whole rouge, but I couldn't find out who the saboteur was. Dalvin, throw the flag. Hold on. I wish I had a whistle. Whee! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. Too many words. <laughs> too many words. Nope. I just, I just got to have you pronounce ruse right. I've trained you on the ways of the ruse. Let's go ahead and move on to the ratings for this issue. It's a one through five. Five is you loved it. It choked out your insolent coworker. Four, you really liked it. Three, just liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. Toshi Station was all out of power converters. Jonathan. Uh, three for me. It was a very, very highly decent story. But ultimately, it served its purpose, but it didn't really stick with me. It was interesting to see um, old uh, Obi-Wan stuff, but other than that, it was just a very, very generic Star Wars story. Jared. I'm going to line up with John once again. This is a three for me. It's filler, just like the Spidey one was, except, like I said, the Spidey one was just so full of anger for some reason. It just weighed me down. At least there wasn't anger here, but it was just run-of-the-mill filler, so I'll give it the three along with John. Jason. I'm going to keep that three-train rider rolling. I thought this was a good filler issue, but at the end of the day, that's all it was, a good filler issue. Delvin, are you on the three? Sure. I don't. I didn't hate it. I thought it was a quick read. I, I, I thought that I actually got to the last page thinking that there's more. It's like, how much is it? Uh, oh, wait, look, there's, there's, <laughs> there's, mm-hmm. there's next issue stuff going on. So it wasn't a bad read at all. I didn't hate it. Good story. Pat? Well, boys, let's move on over. <laughs> Let's go ahead and knock on that door. It's a three for me. Yeah. Woo, we all did it. It's a threes company. Kind of an issue. All right. Well, with that, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Send us an email at contact at Longbox Crusade. Dot com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page, and we will be right back. Hey everybody, Quentin Robinson here. I recently attempted to sneak into the Longbox Crusade headquarters basement to watch some of the Albrecht Brothers action movies while the crew was out at the Saturday matinee theater. Too bad I had a little mishap and got stuck down here with no movies to boot. However, there are pieces of Pat's old podcasting equipment and excellent Wi-Fi service, so I decided to pass the time watching online fan films and talking about them. What, you don't know what a fan film is? Well, there are these non-theatrical movies that people post online of already established characters and settings. 
Hey, 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 now. Just wait and see. Save all judgment for what happens when you listen to Fan Film Fridays, a new podcast found on the Longbox Crusade podcast feed. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, shares, and that's a lot of things, in a segment called Crusader Comments. We're thrilled to kick these comments off with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They get early access to special Longbox episodes, voting to help determine show content. I mean, if you like Star Wars, that's what they voted on. If you want X-Men to come back, which is what Delvin and Jason want. You got to get out there and vote. And the only way to do that is to become a Crusaders Club member. But let's shower some praise on our current members. And Helico Wolf. Anthony at TFU.info. Auburn Elvis. Thank you very much. Bill Beer. Blasted or Stashet. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robinson. David Collins. We also call him Battlewagon. Gerald Green. Greg Van Leuven every minute of it. Come on! Ivor Evans. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Me and my wife, Maggie. Woo-hoo. Nice, it worked out that way. That was yeah. my turn. Jose Pollo. Joshua Strickland. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. Mysterious Mark Hathaway. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents. Captain Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Toronto Cop. And one-time donor Brad Morin. If we miss anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're recent edition... We'll add you soon, but no problem. If there's any kind of issue, you can email Pat. He's contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'll get it straightened out. And as a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member like those awesome people by going to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as $1 a month, you get access, as long as you're not Jason, to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Dang it. Come <laughs> check it out. And you know what? If you don't have any extra scratch laying around, but you want to help us out here at LBC headquarters, how about writing a review for the show? You know, you might be listening to it now. Go ahead. Pull up that iTunes. Give us a review. Give us those five stars. Or if you don't like it, those five sarcastic stars. Either way, we'd love to hear from you. And we'd be happy to read your review on an upcoming show. With that, let's get to social media likes, shares, and retweets. We're going to be talking about Crusader Chronicles episode 47, where we traveled all the way back to January of 1979 to discuss Amazing Spider-Man 191 and Ghost Rider 35, where you may remember that we were born oh, to race death. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Uh, and once again, I will let Jonathan kick it off. Aaron Head Moss. And we keep leaving our wallet with Elsa. I know it. We got to get it. Got Scott's to get it. Alfredo Barrera. And Helica Fetty Wolf. Anthony Klazowski. Back in the Bronze Age. Bill Jermack. Bolt of Bedevilment. Brian Black Belt Ruid. <laughs> Charlie Green. Chris Leiden. It's my turn, fellas. Chris at BTO and Bat Bucks. Let it roll. 
Got some feedback on that one this time. <laughs> As God intended. Christopher Olette. Clinton, keep it in the basement, Robison. Uh, that other thing Clinton does when he's not in the basement, Coffee and Comics at Coffee Comics Blog. Sometimes I think hmm. comic reflections. Hmm. Hmm. Cosmos. He's my favorite Transformer. Always be killing. <laughs> Danilo Dulay. Derek William Crabb. Desi LaSalle. Doc Strange. Dylan Morrison. Emilio J.R. Lali. Emily Grace. Grace. Fan Film Friday's podcast. <laughs> Francesco Vanagoli. No, really. I mean, I know that name's been around, but... St- you know, I'm going to belaboring a point. Gene Hendricks. Green Lantern HG. Gregor Skazinski. Hal Jordan. Herman. Ivan Chutley. James Charles Huntley. Jeff Alexander. Kirk Spencer. Laurel at Mountain Flower One. Manuel Kenyette Mendoza. Mark Hatherley. Matt Medium. Oh, wait. Nope. Let's upgrade that. Matt Large. Max reads comics. Mike Brotherton. Mike Comet. Might be friends with Cosmos. Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No. Mr. Toon. Nicholas Prom. Are you saying that or are you asking somebody? To the prom? Yes. Asking Nicholas. All I would say is Philip O. Oh. Professor Frenzy. It's a show. Ranger Gord. Rick Heineken. Russ Sauer. Ryan Daly. Scott Schmidt. Silver Age Scott. Steve B. Possibly stay in the basement, Robinson. <laughs> Sylvester Brown. T.C. Iker Semitin Tutamola. Nailed it in one, Pat. <laughs> the Hammer <laughs> Strikes. And geeky stuff, man. Oh, looks like some voiceover work, too. <laughs> Gene's branching out. Tim Price, the pod crasher. Troy Mitch Thacker. Unpacking the power of power pack, because there ain't no power like the power pack power. The power pack power won't stop. Lost a person from Portland, Oregon. <laughs> That's Oregon. Oregon. You said him straight. <laughs> yeah, Oregon. <laughs> Say it fast enough. Oregon. You better watch out. If you fall asleep, he's coming from the attic. <laughs> right off the top of it. <laughs> Bernard Jeffries. And last, but certainly not least, Zachary Carter. Excellent, excellent. We'll keep it going with some comments. Jason. Well, I guess we may as well get this one out of the way from Green Lantern HG. He says, oh, and the trophy, I just have to give it to the golden kid who just came out swinging with, I found the secret to immortality. Just kick a mother effer off a cliff. D-Ray, 1977, take a bow. I will. I will. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank Get you. that out of the way right now. Go ahead and take a look behind you in your trophy <laughs> case there, Delvin. See what you got? You said take a bow. I'm not even looking at the trophy. Oh, stole it for nothing. All right. <laughs> well, I'll take one from Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Because the Power Pack don't stop. Don't stop. He said, hang on. Are you making a parody song badly? That's our shtick. 
And uh, I had to correct him online and say, actually, no, that's Professor Frenzy Stick. He's been doing that forever today. But hey, you know what? We're happy to join the uh, bad parody club if you'll have us. Parody's nuts. Just damn straight. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, John, pick whichever one you like. You don't have to go in order. Whichever one you like is fine. Some handsome man named John is watching cartoons tweeted, I read this ghost writer when I was way too young to make sense of it. What a coincidence. So did I. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. Yeah, I know. Wow. It's like he knows you. I'm a little unsettled. I'll take one from Tim Price. And Tim says, be careful handling that radioactive balm, Jason. Get it? Balm? <laughs> I was so proud of that stupid Yeah, thing. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the most dangerous yet soothing balm created by man. I heard this one guy puts it on his face to soothe his skull face, <laughs> but it makes his head fire up. I want to talk to a doctor. Well, yes. <laughs> I'll take one from uh, Ryan Daly, who says, The last couple of episodes since Jason and Delvin joined the crew have been really enjoyable. I hope these guys stick around. Yeah. Probation period. They are still He'll on say. probation. I'm a connoisseur of Ryan Daly comments, and that's a pretty mediocre to lame for him. I just wanted to point Ooh. out. <laughs> <laughs> John knows what he did, son. John knows what he did. Mostly because um, by the time this comes around to me, I won't be on the show to answer myself. So it'll just, when you guys read his comments back, it'll just sound like he's yelling at someone there, and therefore he's the bully, and I win. John knows what he did. John Schaefer Hames, away! <laughs> <laughs> I think we should throw this one out here, too, from Van Allen Plexico, since he commented on our show. Holy cow. Two of my favorite comics from back then, he says. Yes, indeedy. Yes, indeedy. Thank you to everybody who chipped in comments, follows, likes, shares, all that good stuff. We appreciate your friendship spreading the word about this podcast. Pet, wrap it up. All right, and that's going to be the show. Be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank Jonathan, Jared, Jason, and Delvin for joining me on this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Jonathan. You can catch me uh, elsewhere on this network, where I do Transformers Chronicles, hosted by Delvin and also starring Pat and, most of the time, Maggie. Uh, we cover Transformers comics in order. Otherwise, Maggie and I ourselves are... Moving on in this new year to doing cartoons. We are now married watching cartoons. You can still find that um, just by turning a podcaster towards married with comics or anywhere that you found it here. That may be moving to a new place. We will keep you posted. Find me on Twitter at MWC underscore podcast or Maggie at Maggie N. The Rain. Delvin. Maggie in the rain. I'm surprised Jared didn't say it. Somebody had to. There we go. He's chilling tonight. That's why I'll, I'll, I'll take his voice spots. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DEE underscore RAY1977. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrecht on Facebook and Instagram. Jared. You can find me at happiestinthesaddle.org. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was me doing a Christopher Walken impression. I'm at yard sale artist. <laughs> Twitter. Oh, yeah. oh, Christopher Walken. Oh, oh, okay. He's banned. He's banned for life. 
I love you, Jared. Only Delvin gets away with the constant harassment by Christopher Walken. <laughs> I didn't think we made a whether he was with us or yet. Not. I don't think that. I, I still love. We him. were giving him roommate. He was taking up Sean's room. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> to be our new roommate. Chris Walken might move in with us. We'll see. We're interviewing several candidates. Back is this to you, Pat. Give Jason a chance to do his slice alone. Is that is that what's going to happen? Uh, you got a, got a room. I can't even get you out. Parking cars. What the? <laughs> you brought that on. Uh, all of a sudden, Christopher Walken sees bad, doesn't he? Yeah, I think I'm leaning towards Walken. <laughs> no, no. Jason's done a much better impression. He's all over me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, whatever. All right, Pat, give us your, where where can we find you, buddy? You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. And if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered to win in some free stuff on our live rifles, join us on our next episode of Doing It Livestream on YouTube the second Sunday of every month at 3.30 p.m. Central Time is when we go live. Check out Longbox Crusade on the YouTube and please subscribe to the channel and click the bell so you'll get the reminder notifications of when we go live. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Crusader Chronicles. You got a comment or a question, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page at Lombox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us on the next episode as we continue on the crusade to Intro music for Crusader Chronicles is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J O S E F L I M 99. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. All right, we're recording. <laughs> Party. Get some funk up. Oh. Look at Lawrence. those. Look at those. Ooh, look at, look at him. <laughs> this town needs an enema. Party man. Oh, that's dope right there. Okay. Party man. Fuck yeah, the party man. Nobody can. I have been accused of being fancy before. All right. I think we've got a good setup going. I Only half that, hour late. I think that accusing has been uh, planted by someone who is fancy. <laughs> Aren't you big fancy? Oh yeah, that's right. I'm big fancy. <laughs> you were campaigning to be big fancy. Is <laughs> your one red dress fancy? Don't let me down.
Ooh, Batman. All right, well, let's go ahead and go to Jarrett the Dark. Oh, not the Dark Web. Why are Peter Neater Jarrett, that's you. John's on mute. John's on mute. John's on mute. Oh, good, because I did not say anything interesting there at all. This one feels like as long. It probably isn't because I typed it on the phone instead of putting on the computer. So if it does go long, forgive me. Also, it's not as long as Pat's. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> Devin, right. I'm going to stare at you with a rakish angle. That's <laughs> I, I will. I will put up with that while I uh, while I do the synopsis. Okay. I want to give you credit for getting two white checks right in a row. It's pretty impressive. I think we had that one before. So you know, all right, all right good one, here we Pat. Go. Good one. Good one, Pat. I'm proud of you. See, here I am on the road again. Okay. There I am. Up on the stage, here I go. I'm gonna keep going here. Playing the star again. Okay, get the show on the road. Turn the page. 